Welcome to Games Growth with Uptick, a podcast about the discipline of scaling digital games. We speak with industry experts and investigate trends to highlight strategies, technology, and tactical methodologies that you can use to profitably grow your games to massive global audiences. If you're interested in learning more, visit us at uptick.com. My name is Andrew Agosta, Director of Marketing here at Uptick, and joining me today are my co-host, Warren Woodward, uh, co-founder of Uptick. And our guest... Andy Carvel, co-founder and founder at Peacher Mobile Growth Consultancy. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, Andy. I believe we had one feature folk on a while ago, one, on one of the early episodes, so it's been a little while, but it's good to have the feature team back. Yes. I yeah, also one of our few uh, first to be repeats, re- repeat guests. And yeah, I think Andy and I have been a part of a lot of the same industry groups for a while, but this is our first chance to actually talk uh, face-to-face. So super excited to have them on as a one of the teams in the space we have a lot of respect for. Thanks. Kind, kind words, Edward. Awesome. So we'll just jump right in. Um, to start, Andy, we'll so I'll do a little table setting for the audience. We're going to talk about tech stack for mobile marketing. Obviously, it up to focus about games, but we, you know, I think Andy maybe have a little bit of more diverse opinion set. Um, and so we're going to we're focusing specifically on what's the modern technology stack. Um, the feature, feature has a very specific framework that they, they've developed over time, which we, we're going to explore with them. Um, we're going to counterbalance that with the uptick perspective, which if you're a long-time listener, you've probably heard a lot of, but we're going to sort of highlight it. And then we're going to go we're gonna do a deep dive on sort of what are the core different technologies that are needed for modern growth marketing and give us some opinions and highlights there. So that's the high-level framework. Um, but just to start, Andy, let's talk a little bit about you. Uh, what's feature and what do you do there? Uh, sure, yes. Yeah. So I've been uh, been doing this thing which we call feature uh, with a P-H- I-T-U-R-E, it's it's kind of ambiguously spelled, so we get all kinds of pronunciations by chair and picture. We don't really mind what people call us. We deliver um, executional and strategic services and support, working with uh, some of the top uh, apps and games out there in the app stores. We can help our clients with overall strategic planning and uh, opportunity identification, leveraging frameworks like the mobile growth stack. But then, you know, we also have kind of teams scaled around delivering some of the key services um, that you might expect. So organic and paid acquisition. So apps optimization on the organic side, uh, paired with um, you know performance marketing with a focus on mobile channels. But then we also have a team focused on you know sort of like post install, uh, funnel optimization. Um, you know they go deep on analytics, engagement, retention, uh, and monetization. Strong focus on mobile. That's been my background for twenty five years, something like that, and and still absolutely fascinated and excited by the, uh, you know, by, by the sort of revolutionary technology that, that mobile is, it's uh, yeah, still continues to evolve in a really interesting way. You mentioned in passing, um, the, yeah, the mobile growth stack, uh, playbook and, and your, your ASO playbook. Um, these are, yeah. I think you guys have been putting these out every year for a while now. We've, we've collaborated with you guys in a couple of these, but do you want to expand yeah. a little bit more on, uh, the history of those, the value that you're trying to give to, uh, to marketers with us? So I'll start with the mobile growth stack. I think that's like our oldest and, and maybe most famous like framework. It basically came about um, as just me trying to figure out what my job was supposed to be at SoundCloud um, to help them grow on mobile. Uh, they, you know, they were already doing pretty well, like on, on web, you know, they were, you know, pretty, pretty disruptive, uh, exciting social audio platform. Um, but they really didn't have much of a clue about mobile. Not that many people in the industry did actually at that point. I realized that I had a huge education job to do, even at a very techie company with, you know, very smart people. I really had to take a lot of time to actually explain, you know, what it was that I was trying to do with like actually 
building and scaling our presence and our user base and our adoption of, of mobile products. You know, I had to build a case for a lot of things. Why do, why do you need to talk to Apple? Like, you know, can't we, can't we just upload the thing to the store? I'm like, well, this is how we're going to get featured. You know, it's like we have to build reputation, you know, build, build a direct relationship with, with some of the key folks. Everything was a big debate. And, uh, you know, frankly, I got pretty frustrated with having to constantly justify every little initiative that I was trying to do. So I'm like, right, fuck it. I'm just going to put it all on one slide. I'm going to like try and like, I'm going to draw a picture and everyone can understand it. I'll show this to the CEO and to, you know, to, to my, to my managers and, and then hopefully everyone will literally, very literally and figuratively get on the same page. Right. Um, and so that's what I did. And that, that became, that was essentially the, the predecessor to what became the mobile growth stack. That basically just kind of had like different blocks for so like you know acquisition, engagement, retention, monetization, um, underpinned by I think the original ones just said world class analytics underneath um, to kind of indicate that you know that this should be you know should be a data driven exercise. That really was a turning point in my in my job satisfaction and also my job productivity at SoundCloud because it did really help to kind of get everyone understanding. Oh, okay, right. So this is. This is like the, the, these are the levers for growth on mobile. Um, I started to actually like show this, evolve that a little bit and then show it at conferences and things like this. I realized that slide was then always super popular with, with the audiences and they would, they'd be, they'd be wrapping it on their phones. So I put it out as a blog post. That blog post went viral and got picked up like, you know, like by a lot of folks that I had a lot of respect for, a lot of com- really cool companies in Silicon Valley and, and SF and stuff where the Bay Area were. We're retweeting this, you know, I got retweeted by Andrew Chen and a bunch of folks. So I was like, you know, these were like my, my heroes, you know, in the growth space. Um, and then I was like, okay, right now. Okay. Now I think like we're really onto something here. So continued to develop that. And that's kind of how we started feature because at some point I started to get, uh, you know, a lot of inquiries from companies that have mobile apps that wanted help applying that framework, uh, in their business. And, and so the consultancy business kind of started itself really it became a no brainer. Definitely can uh, empathize with that um, in in our own work at Uptick. You know, I think kind of first thing a, a game team brings us on to help them with growth, and sometimes they'll be really hungry, especially if they're like a young team. It's their first title. It's like, okay, cool, like let, let's start scaling. What what's playbook this month? And it's kind of like, well, well let's hold up here. Uh, let's, let's talk about your stack for a minute. Uh, you know, we, like it's, it's some of these things we're going to go into, but basic things of like. How are you doing attribution today? How are you measuring performance? How are you doing your reporting? Uh, how are you adjusting your ad revenue? What's your ad revenue stack look like? There's all, all these moving pieces of it. Um, and you, a lot of us, I mean, the mobile industry is, is a lot more mature now than I think probably when you first had to make these slides, but these themes still come up. Um, and we see like a, there's kind of new versions of this as uh, you know, Web3 gaming comes to prominence a bit. Uh, PC marketing is starting to learn about performance. And it's definitely like, I always say up front, like, hey, guys, this first month or two is going to be the most boring part. We just got to build some plumbing together, and then we'll start doing some ad spend, but we need to make sure we can measure and do everything optimally before that. So, yes, you're doing the Lord's work by uh, giving the industry some framework that we can anchor on and, and, and share even today. I, I, uh, I really like that approach, Warren, actually. They, I, might, I might steal that as well. I should, like, you know, sort of the, this, these first couple of months are going to be the most boring ones. We're just going to get some plumbing done. Because we have, it's actually the same kind of conversations with, with our customers when we get going, you know. I can completely sympathize. Everybody wants immediate growth, right? Like, that's why they they bring on a service company uh, like Uptick or, or, or like Feature. Um, 
and you know they want to get started right away and they want to see results immediately uh and of course yeah they're paying top dollar for it but um yeah usually there's some homework to do and there's some some foundational stuff that needs some attention before you can really uh you know start building on top of that foundation yeah exactly cool so you know i think we'll link to the slide the mobile mobile growth stack slide that we just talked about um but also just for those who are audio only i want to I want you to sort of articulate what it is first on, on your side, Andy, and then we'll, so I want to warn to contrast that with how we think about um, our technology stack. Do you want to just sort of like to the, in the reasonably high level, talk about what, you know, what are the sort of the core key components of what that slide actually looks like? There's like a, a kind of a core, um, like area of the stack, as we call it, with like three main layers, acquisition, engagement and retention, and monetization. These are representing the three kind of like more or less universal business goals of, of more or less any digital business, not even necessarily specifically mobile, although there are some mobile specific elements within these. So ac acquisitions, bringing new users into, into the product, right? And uh, ideally high quality users. Engagement and retention, sort of making them, uh, you know, giving them something, you know, providing value on an ongoing basis that locally keeps a bunch of them sticking around and, and hopefully increasing that retention over time. Keep more of them sticking around, make the product more sticky. And then monetization, extracting some monetary value from some of them, whether that's through ad revenue or a subscription model, which is very popular with apps at the moment, or in-app purchases, or you know, so some combination. Yeah, so we have these like kind of three kind of core business goals, these three main layers of the stack. And underneath these, um, there's like essentially a bunch of different elements, um, which are activities, things that you can do that might you know, impact these particular kind of like key goals of acquisition, engagement, retention, or monetization. Now, some of these activities cross multiple of those layers. So things like, you know, doing, building a brand, right? Brand goes across acquisition, engagement, retention, and monetization. It's like a multiplier across everything. Other things are very specific to one particular area of this, like app store optimization. That's in the acquisition layer. Underneath all of that, there's a, an insights and analytics layer. Um, which, as I said, in the, in the original mobile birth stack or the kind of free mobile birth stack was literally just, just the words world-class analytics. Now I've broken that out now into quite a few more additional kind of, you know, activities that you can do in order to like better measure and understand what's going on. Basically kind of trying to guide somebody who is maybe new to the topic or maybe even quite seasoned to the topic, help them understand, you know, one is the kind of complete option set of activities that they they could be engaging in to drive growth the common misconception with the mobile growth stack is that oh I, I see this big list of stuff i've got to do all of these things right and people treat it like a laundry list that's not the idea right it's it's supposed to be a strategic planning tool and strategy is all about trade-offs it's all about assessing kind of you know where you are today what are your strengths and weaknesses uh you know what what are you trying to achieve and then kind of assessing, okay, what, what will be like the right to the tactical steps to get there? You know, what would be like the right general approach? And then refining that over time, you know, kind of revisiting that as you acquire more resources and build more capabilities. So we would expect that, and what we see is, you know, that a, a young company just starting out will be ticking off very, you know, only very few of the, the elements of the mobile growth stack, but there will be, you know, as, as they grow and as they become more successful, they'll maybe layer on more capabilities over time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, I think we'll we'll obviously link to this, and I think it'll be very clear for the viewers as they sort of watch that. You have a very holistic approach, which starts at the top of the funnel, goes away, goes all the way through. 
I think the uptick perspective is a little more focused on the top of the funnel, the user acquisition side. And I want to talk a little bit about our framework that, you know, we think about in terms of uptick and then spend some time comparing, contrasting all the different engagement methodologies and talk about what, the te what that technology is. So Warren, do you want to talk a little bit about how that, that compares or contrasts if there is contrasting to the uptick framework? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I just want to stress that, like, you know, I think there's just different kind of frameworks and philosophies. There's a lot that I think is like the the feature approach, I think is very robust. It includes product functions as well. Um, everything in it, I think, are correct things to think about. We just, I think, have a, a different kind of framing that we've used to anchor our work. Um, and it, uh, for us, we talk consistently about, there's kind of four components to it. So we th talk about the three pillars of growth, which we talk about as uh, acquisition, which is the operational component, creative, which we think of as the fuel powering this, and then the analytics layer, which is obviously the the you know the insights portion of it. Um, and then we speak, you know, we're we're our business is a little unique and like we're kind of half a software, half a service company. So the the fourth component is the technology layer that ties that all together. And some of these are things that you know uptick builds for things like scan modeling and uh, uh, our our A/B testing tool for for ASO. Um, but then, of course, there's some functions that have to be handled by the developers, such as like your core your attribution um, and and similar functions. So I think both of these are really uh, useful frameworks. Ours is, I think, is is leans hard on the simplicity of just kind of think about these three meta things and then trust your experts to sort them out. And then underneath, I think uh, Andy and the team's motto is just sort of like, okay, here's actually all of the pieces that that you have as levers of control. Um, and I do like that the feature model also overlaps with what are the functions of a product team that are related to growth and framing those clearly upfront too, because, you know, growth can only do so much if it's not aligned and the product itself is following best practices for, uh, for some user experience for monetization. And so thinking about this holistically, I think has a lot of value. So it's not like these siloed functions of growth and, uh, product or monetization. I, uh, I love the side of your framework, by the way. Um, you know, I don't think, uh, Particularly like what you said about like creative really being the uh, the fuel there. Um, definitely, I think that's that's ever more increasingly true that it's really like all about creative, right? But obviously, also supported by the right measurement and and tech. Cool. So what we do next is we're going to deep dive into a bunch of the different key components of this of both the feature stack as well as the uptick stack. So the ones we're going to talk about um, are data analytics, user acquisition engagement and retention, monetization, creative, ASO, and competitive Intel tools. I pulled some of the stuff from the mobile growth stack book. There was just too many to do everything. So I, you know, choose a couple of the highlights. If I miss something, feel free to jump in with like, this is what we need to talk about next. Um, but the idea is at a high level, discuss what are some of the important key components of any technology stack, why they're important, and what are some key metrics and KPIs that sort of back up how you think about that framework. So, I mean, we talked about the importance of data analytics. It was undergirding your original um, your original model of this. We think about it a lot. It's a lot of our platforms and analytics platforms. So we'll start there. Um, Andy, we'll start with you first. Uh, Want to talk about some of the key components of how you think about data and analytics for the modern mobile marketer? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I mean, I think it's hard it's hard to talk about analytics without talking about attribution. Um, you know, I think I guess the you know the, the the key thing for those who are maybe not so familiar with the topic. You know, is that attribution is really about trying to understand, you know, what, what channels are performing for you, helping you to understand like where you should be spending your budget and, and measuring the, the sort of performance of, of that ad spend, right? As well as also understanding like where your kind of so-called organic uses are coming from. You know, I know that there's, there's folks in the industry, including uh, Thomas Petit, who I really respect, who would say, 
there's no such thing as organic actually, uh, which is, I think, you know, <laughs> have a nuanced perspective, but I, th I think, I think broad, broadly true, actually. Uh, it's just that, you know, organic generally is like the stuff that's, that is tough, that is even tougher to attribute. Um, and I guess that's the second point, you know, with attribution these days, it's becoming less precise, um, which creates a whole bunch of new challenges. Uh, and I guess also a lot of, uh, a, a whole bunch of work for uh, for experts and service providers to help people to just to, to navigate that that environment, right? And and a whole bunch of new tech that's coming out. Um, so I think that it's what's interesting is that you know attribution I think has never been quite as precise as some of the attribution vendors would have sold it to be. Um, and now it's just becoming clearer that like uh, yeah, it's like you need to take a uh, a slightly more kind of fuzzy approach to trying to understand like you know. What of your budget is is really delivering, and, and what kind of value? But I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you said, Andy, and especially the the fuzziness of the current era. Um, you know, we yeah, just to echo, you have to even though they don't work uh, with the granularity and accuracy that they used to, particularly for iOS, you have to have some sort of basic attribution provider flagging where the users came from. Um, on top of this, you need a way to visualize. Uh, the attribution providers themselves have gotten a bit better. Um, they're still, I'd say, like, not their core function as a reporting platform. So we see most mature teams have some sort of additional uh, visualization and insights layer on top of that data. And then I think the third piece that's become increasingly more important that you alluded to, Andy, is like you can no longer, um, arguably you never could, but especially now, you can no longer just say, Here's what the MMP told me. Therefore, this is our result. Uh, I think it's almost a requirement now, especially for iOS, that you have some sort of data modeling layer that is um, underpinning. So like you have your kind of core source of truth data from the MMP and you have your visualization layer, but then there's stuff that the MMP is not doing that you have to use to estimate user behavior now in a way you didn't have to before. And there's different ways to do this. Um, Uptick has one methodology and tooling, but you can also use like iOS's native scan tooling for this. You can do media mix modeling. There's different approaches, but one way or another, like you have to still say, okay, well, what was my likely business outcome knowing that I have imperfect data? So that's, I'd, I'd say, uh, the additional nuance I'd, I'd add to kind of the current state of the analytics marketing stacks. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, we actually added a bunch of these kind of, uh, the, yeah, these, like the, the, the modeling layer that you're talking about. In the latest version of the mobile growth stack, which I think we, we, we rolled out at the end of last year, uh, we included things like uh, media mix modeling, um, also things like propensity scoring and other things that we see kind of also down funnel becoming more more sort of more relevant and more important when it comes to analytics. Uh, but yeah, we would totally agree that uh, the the attribution stack becomes more complicated these days, or at least like that we see we see more components to it. So the the traditional MMP players and some of the new MMP players like uh, Average, they've got some actually some pretty nice uh, multi-touch attribution and uh, media mix modeling features, kind of like uh, out of the gate in their like in in their product. And I see also I think Inkit's Apps Flyer, maybe it's a just I, one of them's going to kill me for getting it wrong if it's <laughs> the other one. But they're also they're also rolling out mixed media modeling type um, kind of modules on on top of their stack as well. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So I guess the, this next piece, though, you know, we'll jump to just to talk about um, it's tightly, tightly related, which is, well, you know, what are, what are the key components of the marketing stack as it relates to user acquisition? Obviously, data and anal and we think about that kind of in, in the context of operations as opposed to just analytics, because analytics is obviously key, key to user acquisition. So do you want to talk about that first, um, Andy, about sort of what are what are the 
components of this that I, mean, I think you termed a little bit different you know term it as what you talk about is called acquisition as well so what, what are the key components of the technology stack in terms of user acquisition uh so we already talked about attribution um you know i i think that you know very very fundamentally you also need to understand what's going on in the app stores and and, and you mm -hmm. know what your what your organic acquisition is looking like um and you know most likely you're going to also be wanting to do optimization there you know on your you know essentially all of your traffic is going to end up going through your kind of landing page in, in the app stores right like so and now you can actually also bifurcate those, those landing pages you can create multiple variants of them for different um you know for different audience segments or different different value propositions use cases you've got custom product pages with ios um custom store listing google so um you know, which is, you know, which is great, but it's also even more work and even more right. things to keep track of. The good thing is that you actually get pretty good data out of both, you know, both, both the, you know, iOS, like the, the iTunes Connect, um, App Store Connect dash dashboard, as well as the, uh, the Play Store, um, you know, dashboard and or API. So, you know, th that data is all available to you, um, but you need to then be able to sort of synthesize and monitor that stuff, maybe combine that with other sources in order to get a, a sort of a richer picture of you know both what you're doing on the organic side and how you're optimizing also how your keyword visibility is trending but yeah we're also kind of building like you know custom dashboards for some of our clients who kind of want to try and get that like overall visibility you know we're, we're pulling in data from uh places and then like, kind of trying to build them you know dashboards which help them to see what organic uplift they've managed to drive with their aso efforts you know whether that's cannibalizing some of their paid spend things like this that these are the kind of questions that, you know, the businesses want to answer. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So there's a bunch of different components of the tooling. You talked about uh, the organic piece. I think we we're going to talk about the you, you pay performance marketing is a really critical piece. Organic uplift is a really critical piece. I think the, the key, the key this, to this though, that you described is like what they need to operationalize, right? And that's, and that's sort of the thing I think that most of what, you know, we have all these disparate tooling, but the key to actually driving growth here is having the people that complement with the tooling to really drive the outcomes that we're trying to get to. Um, Warren, I know you have a few thoughts about user acquisition. <laughs> do, you, do you want to speak to speak to that? Yeah, so going on to user acquisition, I think a few thoughts on my end. Um, a few years back, uh, one thing that I put a lot of personal resources in, I both tested third-party tools, put a lot of internal cycles on, was building tools to assist with bidding on different networks mm. um, and to do more micromanagement. and. I think it's ultimately a good thing. Like part of why we had a resource for this a lot to do our work optimally in past years was it used to be the networks, uh, the algorithms of the networks, both the large networks and the the, the smaller ones were all just so bad and so um, seller side focused. So uh, really poor at actually achieving ROAS results. Um, you know, this is updating myself, but thinking of like the 2016, 2017 and earlier era. Um, we've really found that as the platforms have matured, uh, it's obviously they've learned that like, oh, we cannot get um, uh, clients to spend long-term if we don't deliver them profitable uh, results and hit the KPIs. So we've really seen all the ad network net, uh, algorithms resolve, and we have to do a lot less micromanagement of subpub level bids, for example, uh, on rewarded video networks than we did a few years back. So I'd say, I just want to call it that that's something that's really changing. Um, a, a couple of things that we do, um, Andy, you alluded to this specifically, and it relates with analytics, but it's worth like really calling out. You do need for the user acquisition managers a way to look at everything apples to apples because different pockets of traffic are now measured in different ways. So that's definitely a key part of the tech that Uptick builds now is that that visualization component to normalize for privacy 
uh, focus channels on iOS to normalize for uh, you know the, the the fact that there can be uplift in some games that doesn't exist for other games, and to detect that, and that kind of ties to the last thing that I'd call out for a UA stack that we really focus on, which is how do you set your goals? So that's another part of our platform is uh, what we call like the living buying model that can look at all your user data and you can set ROAS targets for individual segments of, of players based on the monetization trends of specific segments. So you can use the model and explore and say, hey, just show me my uh, UK players on Android you know, for uh, TikTok. Instantly kind of spit out, okay, cool, to be profitable, uh, with this subset of players, you need to hit 10% day one and 20% day seven return. So that's been another layer of tooling that we've worked on. But I think the theme here is UA tooling has moved away from the micro and more towards the macro as uh, our biggest concerns have been more tied to like the business of operating a mobile app versus like, okay, I really need to micromanage all of my day-to-day of UA because all these ad network algorithms suck. So that's kind of like the meta theme that I've I've recognized the last few years. Yeah, and an interesting call out there is like the technology, like, you know, call it, I don't know, six to eight years ago, there's a lot of technology to help help with the automation. You you built it and it's kind of been cannibalized. That whole segment of, you know, automate, UA automation technology just kind of disappeared because the, well, the networks are like, we're going to take on the job ourselves because that's how we drive. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough business too, because even if a tool works well, say that the um, business model for a UA optimization tool is, let's just call it 10% of ad spend. Does it add enough incremental value on buying on versus the network? Without it, uh, as we all know, it's a game of tight margins often in user acquisition. And it's a huge ask um, to give away a potentially 10% of your margin if you're getting very incremental value um, as the algorithms of the networks themselves uh, get better. Well, and there's a, there's a sort of compounding effect, which is given the data constraints of the modern era, the networks have data available to them that you as an outside uh, force just don't have access to. And so they're able to really bias their own internal algorithms while still driving a better profit margin. So yeah, it makes a ton of sense why that would be canned Andy, any, any thoughts here or any thoughts about other user acquisition technologies that we want to highlight? Yeah, I actually, yeah, I forgot all about like uh, all the bidding automation tools. Yeah, like we, uh, as a, an agency that works with, you know, a fair few different different categories, games and apps, but we're mostly working with app, app publishers. Um, you know, we're, we're working with a range of these kind of tools, like we're, we're familiar with, with the, I presume you, you, you're kind of, the kind of technology you're referring to would, would be platforms like Sky or Vidalgo and things like this. Um, uh, do you guys do you guys build something in house that, that's sort of similar to that? You have your own kind of proprietary tech there. So, so interestingly, I mean, I'll be I'll be really candid with 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 uh, with you, Andy, and with the the listeners. So, when we started Uptick, it was a huge priority of ours, and we yeah. put a lot of resourcing into automated bidding tools. And for some of these same reasons that we're talking about, as the iOS ecosystem exploded, we kind of said, "Okay, crap, there's like a bigger fire we need to address right here." Just to have basic operations on iOS, so. As a small team ourselves with, you know, we have engineering resources, but they're finite. We said, hey, we need to put all hands on deck in building tooling to adapt for iOS. The micro of optimizing these campaigns is not uh, as important as it was a, a few years ago. So it is something on our roadmap, but we've deprioritized it for some of these reasons that we're talking about. Well, and there's a really specific bucket of traffic where we were focused early on. So like very early on, one of the first technology pieces we were building outside of the ASO tech was uh, scripts to help with. SDK automation. So that's uh, so that means stuff like Unity, Iron Source, Digital Turbine, all the, all that bucket of traffic. You know, reward video SDK automation because the algorithms are really really stupid early on, um, and they would basically use all CPI based and not very good. Now, basically, 
all of them have targeting that's like user level targeting that's almost as good or as good as like Facebook. And so you're like, okay, the need to actually do the micromanagement is really, really gone out. Yeah, no, I, I was just going to say, you know, like, you know, if, 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 they are, if, if the platforms, if we can actually really trust them, you know, their black box to actually do a good job um, and optimize in, in the favor of, you know, of getting a good return on that, then that, that saves us all some work. And uh, that's, that's kind of, I think, I think that's generally good, good progress. Yeah, trust, yeah. trust is a, trust is a strong word. What I would say is that we can see the revenue and we can make a business. We can see the cost. We can see our revenue. And we can make an intelligent business decision. <laughs> sure. Yes. I wouldn't put blind trust, uh, like a, a shit ton of ad spend behind that. Any of that, just assuming that the, the, the network's got your best interests at heart and also the ability to optimize for that correctly. Yeah. But, but still, I would, I would agree. Jeff generally seems to be going in a good direction. Yeah. One other thing that comes to mind as we're talking about this too, is I just want to touch a little bit on sort of like our philosophy around building tools at Uptick. We never take the approach of like, okay, we're going to break into this sector that has like, you know, five different tools and just do it better than everyone because we're smarter than everyone. That's not really how we think. It's more like this stuff is complicated, right? Like, I think that's, that's part of why you put this playbook together in the first place, Andy, is there's so many mobile moving pieces to do mobile growth, right? So our engineering resources we put on like, hey, there's this part of the puzzle that like no one has really built a solution for yet. So we should focus here. And when it comes to another reason we stepped away from kind of that micromanagement bidding is, you know, there's plenty of companies we're friends with in this, the space. You mentioned uh, Bidalgo, now now Luna. Um, another one is BubbleEye, where they're just micro-focused on building these bidding and campaign optimization tools. So it's like, cool, you guys are all in on that. There's a huge gap around dynamic, easy iOS modeling. There's a huge gap on how to build buying models for teams. We're going to focus on these issues because that's what's filling in uh, the stack in some of those those empty areas. Yeah, I, I, I have a lot of respect for that approach as well. Like, you know, I, I'm not a, not a huge fan of reinventing this, reinventing the wheel. We're the same. Like we've built bits and pieces of, of, of tech uh, to support our clients and, you know, to, to be able to do better work, but to build efficiencies in what we do. But if there's you know, better tooling and, and tech out there will will gladly avail ourselves of it, and you know, like you know, partnering with folks. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. that's the beauty of having an ecosystem, right? Is that you don't have to build everything yourself. Um, so we, yeah, we we also focus on on the things where we we just see a gap, or we're kind of scratching our own itch, basically. Yeah. Okay. So we went long in user acquisition. I think it's relevant, which is why I'm happy with like focusing a fair amount on there. But I do kind of want to do a rapid fire for this next couple of topics. Um, this is one that we're going to throw to you, Andy, and I think we're going to have, we're definitely going to have less opinions on. Um, engagement, retention, and to the extent you want to hybrid that with how you think about monetization, I think let's just, you know, focus on that for a little bit. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Like that's probably my, my favorite topic, you know, it's often overlooked as, as a kind of, you know, as, as a priority. And I think it's very easy for a lot of folks to think, okay. Let's get the acquisition right. Let's acquire all the users and, you know, we'll throw them into the product. The product probably great. It's going to work. It's going to be sticky. Uh, you know, sometimes that that's true and it works. Uh, but a lot of times, a lot of money is spent acquiring users who don't stick around. Um, and so, you know, I think the first thing is like that it's good to have good analytics that, that kind of covers like whole funnel that you can actually really see and properly understand like, you know, how users are sticking around, uh, understand how um, the, the sort of targeting and the, the kind of, you know, the cohorts of users that you're bringing in, how, you know, how that differs depending on the, on the acquisition source of uh, the other, you know, messaging and all of that stuff that you're doing upstream. Uh, and then you can, you know, with, with all that data, you can really kind of start to, to actually do some proper growth modeling and projecting out and to look at like, okay, where should we be investing our efforts? Like, is it in increasing, you know, uh, retention, which is going to give us compound growth gains over time? 
or it's actually retention at a pretty good level where we know we can monetize X percent of the user base. It's time to really scale like the acquisition and go big guns on that, right? And we don't see many companies being super strategic and data-driven about that, to be honest. Like they're still quite siloed off that they might have a marketing team that's doing, you know, managing, you know, media budget. They might have a retention team that's sitting either in the marketing team as like a CRM team, or it might be um, the retention is just kind of considered part of product. It varies a lot depending on the company, but, um, you know, it's, we, you know, we still like to try to help companies to do this more holistic, like analytical modeling, um, you know, and sort of, um, you know, strategic planning exercise. Then coming back to the sort of the more technical question, you know, like what, what do we see working well? Um, I'm a big fan of customer engagement platforms. So they're talking about Braze, CleverTap, Iterable, OneSignal, right? Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I think also Unity is building out more in turn. It, it, in the direction of customer engagement, which is also nice. But you know, what I mean by customer engagement platform for those who don't know, basically it's it's like it's you know something that a growth marketer can use so they don't have to be a developer. And if you've got the SDK integrated, it's got a view on like what events are being fired. So it's got a view on user behavior. It's not a deep analytics tool, but you can build segments there. And then you can message and interact with those users and then you can sort of start to see see how that's influencing behavior. I would call it really the intersection of, 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 of product and marketing, uh, particularly when you consider channels like mobile in-app messaging, where you can really kind of trigger something dynamically, an interaction with the user, might be a pop-up or a, it could be a slide-up from the bottom, or it could be a full-screen interstitial, various ways you can, you know, can build the actual UI of the interaction, but it's a targeted interaction with a segment of users that's triggered in real time based on an action that they've just taken within the app. Now that's right an incredibly powerful tool to put in the hands of a growth marketer. Uh, it's also an incredibly dangerous tool to hands of growth marketer. Right. Well, hopefully you trust your team. Yeah, I mean, that, that's yeah. an interesting point. It basically, I don't know, I came from a nominal background. It's basically CRM. I mean, it's literally CRM in some regards, right? And yeah, it's about okay. CRM. Yeah, like the, 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 these terms, there's so much buzzwords and terminology in the industry, but customer engagement, I think, is what they like to call themselves these days. But yeah, we're talking about CRM. Multi-channel, multi-channel marketing with, uh, you know, push in-app email, uh, maybe in-app inbox, maybe SMS and some other channels as well, WhatsApp, et cetera. Right. Um, there's a lot to talk about here on engagement. You know, I think we could do a whole segment on this, but I, we know we're getting close to time. And so I, I just want to keep it rolling. Let's um, let's move forward to monetization. Um, we're, we're doing a lot of work on subscription revenue. That's like, that's, that's the main model for apps. And of course, like recurring revenue is great, right? It's a very different model and in many ways a much simpler model than what we see in the game space where you've got something yeah. like, you know, add monetization, add the virtual currency, often multiple currencies and, you know, this, this, you know, to, to sort of disintermediate between your kind of cash spend and what's really to be spent in the game. And it's like, you know, the, the whole, whole game economy balancing, like, you know, there's none of that really in, in the app space with subscriptions, it's like, it's pretty simple as you pay so much per month or per, per year, or, you know, a few different bundles. Uh, but, you know, the subscription space, space uh, the fact it's still growing is great, but like it's incredibly competitive. And there can only be so many subscriptions that the average user is, is going to hold, right? Probably it's, I think it's around two and a half to three subscriptions that the average user has. Interesting. Uh, I've never heard that, that metric across all their device, like mobile subscriptions or just across everything. I'll talk about mobile subscriptions here. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Everything that I talk about is everything for a mobile lens. Sure. So, yeah, but, uh, but you know, like, you know, this might include their Netflix subscription, which is not strictly just mobile. Actually, they might watch on their laptop. They might watch on a smart TV, you know, 
it's it's a you know it's a cross-platform subscription actually um but uh yeah and of course if you're kind of you know in a sort of a slightly like higher income class and you're quite techy you're probably going to be uh, you know uh, slightly a bit above that average you wear five or six subscriptions but you're probably not going to have 20 most people are not going to want to just keep on constantly kind of having like you know recurring outgoings on on, on a whole bunch of different apps which means that what we're seeing in terms of a trend is a lot more kind of swapping of subscriptions in and out lifetime value is decreasing in other words the lifetime part is decreasing we're seeing Sorry, quite a bit more like an IP. Yeah, a little bit more. It's kind of coming more the way. We're also seeing, like, you know, uh, price price inflation. You know, like uh, there's inflation in general in, in a lot of economies right now. We're seeing that in subscriptions. So, now uh, what does this mean in terms of tech? Um, well, a few things. You need to really have a good handle on your s- subscription analytics and what's going on there. There's uh, some really good platforms out there, like Revenue Cat. I think is the the, the leader there in the space. But uh, there's also Purchasely um, that does like analytics but also paywall optimization type tech and that's the second one like to the paywall optimization like you, know, you really don't want to be showing the same paywall to everybody certainly not all at the same time you want to be building thinking about these like dynamic user journeys you want to be giving hitting people with a personalized paywall uh at a time when they're most likely to convert and again that's kind of coming back to you know to doing good growth growth marketing work that shouldn't just be the product team building the paywall once that should be in the hand it should be more of a marketing iterative iterative feature. Okay, we're we're running close on time, so we're gonna we we'll just hop to one last topic, um, and then we can we can uh, wrap up from there. We'll talk about creative and creative and ASO. We'll combine them into one. So do I know this is what place we focus? Warrants a lot of opinions. Let's talk about this creative. And yeah, ASO. Maybe, maybe I'll just start here real quick, and then can hand off to Andy. I mean, uh, we I think we probably relative to maybe some other providers or or agency style businesses, we really care a lot about creative and, and make it a core requirement. Like we literally won't take on an engagement if they won't let us do some capacity of creative work. As the the whole ecosystem becomes more automated, you become more and more dependent on are you putting good fuel into the ecosystem? So yeah, we, we think of creative as very holistic and um, trying to kind of combine UA creative with ASO. It's just sort of like, where's our weak points in the funnel? What do we need to do this? Do we need channel specific creative? Do we need UGC for TikTok and Snap? And we try to really combine the creative teams planning with their counterpart in user acquisition or like, okay, what are we trying to solve for right now? What is the creative contribution for that? Andy, in, in brief, like how is, what is your team's overall philosophy and, uh, you know, and, and thoughts around the creative role of creative and ASO intertwined? Yeah. Very, very similar, Warren, you know, like uh, at the end of the day, you're trying to create a, like, you know, a co- coherent story for the user. And if you've got completely different ad creative running to what people are going to see in the apps app store, you've already got a disconnect. That's going to hurt your conversion in the app store. Uh, right. But it's, you know, you, you're right. trying to set like a, you know, you're telling one story ideally, right? Like this, this is this great product. It's going to solve these problems, you know, for, you know, for this particular audience. And that, that needs to be a consistent story that you tell, not just in your ad creative, not just in the, in the app store, not just in, in your, your visuals and, and the description in the app store or your, or your custom product page, but then it, that should also be then carried into the product and into the onboarding and, and everything else, you know, like a, a big, big, uh, you know, we're big believers in the value of of you know coherence and, and consistency through that user journey uh, and not just believers in it we see the data you know that it, it right. just works so much more effectively but we, we have a big creative team as well that like I'm, I'm very proud of the creative team that we have a feature there you know we're doing we're working with uh we're doing aso for i think seven of adobe's apps in 26 markets a lot of creative work there and you can imagine that the adobe team are, are pretty 
pretty um you know specific about about how they want creative done because they're you know they're they're one of the giants in the creative industry so i'm very very proud that we're able to work with brands like that and work with their their brand teams and their brand guidelines and they come up with really like you know high converting stuff and that's always a fun challenge of creative right because there's the tension of uh, massive experimentation versus you know the bigger uh, the bigger an app is or the company the more tight their brand guidelines are and the more tight that window may be so there can be a tension of pushing against like hey if we want to move the needle we need to visually move the needle in order to get a different outcome uh, and we've definitely found that to be uh, a real plus of of uh, an edge that smaller teams can have uh, over bigger teams sometimes is able to optimize in a way that the bigger teams may be slower or more hesitant to. I would completely agree. And, and like, you know, just to sort of put that into a, a very concrete kind of example, like, you know, we find that often with the, the, the bigger brands, they're, they're a lot more protective on their icon, whereas actually the icon, it can be, can be a very, very useful lever for, for conversion. Just a simple thing like putting the, the app name on the icon, uh, you know, can actually improve conversion in the app store and can also improve retention because people can then remember what the bloody app actually was right. that this this weird like you know picture actually refers to and you know actually does it, it, it increases app opens as well but a lot of big brands don't want to mess around with their icon at all they'll they'll let you like you know play around with screenshots and stuff but like, oh, i can't touch the icon you know that's that's our key brand asset so so yeah we, we we have those conversations all the time awesome okay well you know i really appreciate it Pre appreciate your thoughts here i think we could do another 15 minutes on ASO, but we're yeah, running. That was a meaty point. episode. We covered like five <laughs> podcast topics in uh, in one episode. Might have been ambitious <laughs> with the planning. Um, <laughs> yeah, we could cover all of mobile growth and all of the tools in one episode. No big deal. No big deal. Yeah, yeah. We could awesome. we can always do a part two sometime. Yeah, definitely. We'd love to. Cool. I mean, so to wrap it up, um, just I want to ask you both. You know, and again, we're close time so briefly what is one key technology trend that you see looking forward that you think is really going to be impactful for the next you know next couple of decades or not a couple of weeks couple of years well go first like yeah 15 seconds 30 seconds what do you think uh i mean the lazy answer here is ai in some capacity but i'll be a little more niche and specific i'm i'm really bullish on the pc marketing cross-platform marketing extension warming up to performance uh, in a more mature way the tooling they're getting better with companies like gamesite and really uh performance marketing evolving into this space that's historically been brand buying i think there's a huge opportunity there particularly over the next year or two interesting awesome that's interesting all right what about you andy are you cool yeah, uh, I'm also not going to go with the totally lazy AI answer, even though, of course, I'm super excited for many of the AI things. But I'll give you a specific example, which is kind of AI powered. And that's that, you know, there are some like next sort of new generation um, CRM approaches mm. uh, on platforms. Uh, companies like AMP, I would, I would call out yes. as being kind of one of the leaders here, um, that are, you know, AI first, sort of AI native. Um, but I think, you know, if they're correct, and I actually think that they're onto something here, that there's maybe a paradigm shift coming. You know, just as people on the UA side have got kind of comfortable with like trusting the algorithm to do a lot of the optimization, I think we're going to see that potentially happen on the on the um, segmentation, messaging, and timing side on on CRM. So in other words, kind of saying instead of having a big team of people manually, you know, experimenting and creating segments and and trying to figure out the right message to send to the right user at the right time trust the machine to do it uh i just you know if that if that model works that's going to be quite revolutionary and so i'm quite excited to to, to see that proven out or otherwise 
Awesome. That's actually, that's a really interesting call. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's a really uh, interesting thing for us to noodle on. Awesome. Well, we're over time. So thank you so much for coming, Andy. I appreciate all your uh, insight here. Obviously a lot to cover here and now uh, maybe we should have done multiple episodes or been less ambitious. If someone wants to get a hold of you or learn more about feature, where can they do that? Uh, sure. Yeah. You can, uh, you can always find us, uh, as feature.com. That's P H I T U R E feature.com. Tons of resources on there. You can, you can, you know, download our frameworks and, uh, and proceedings up there. You can find me on LinkedIn. It's Andy Carvel. That's C-A-R-V-E-L-L. Awesome. Yeah. I appreciate the fact that you, you like us made our, your name very complicated to spell. So we have to explain it out each time. <laughs> Warren, do you want to do just that and take us out? Why, why make, why make life easy for ourselves? Right? Yeah, absolutely. Andy, thank you so much for joining. Uh, it's been a pleasure yeah. to have your experience and insights. And before I sign off, Andy, I think you guys have an upcoming event with Feature that you also wanted to make sure to mention today, correct? Oh, yeah, we do. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for, for reminding me. We have our ASO conference coming up. We started the ASO conference a few years back uh, in Berlin and New York. Uh, these days, it's just in Berlin. Uh, but it's coming up on June the 1st. I think we still have some tickets available. If you're interested in app optimization and you either want to visit Berlin or you're based somewhere nearby, uh, yeah, you can find all the details at asoconference.com or on the feature website. Awesome. 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 Yeah. And this is basically the event for, uh, for ASO in our industry. So definitely check it out if you're working in that area. Cool. So I will sign us off now. Uh, thanks again, Andy, for joining our, our, uh, brothers in, in weird spelling of, of company names. Uh, the, the podcast today was brought to you by our team here at Uptick here at Uptick. As we've mentioned, we do all things to help games grow both our services team and then our software platform. So if you're growing a game, we'd love to talk to you. We love helping game teams and just meeting builders in the space you can reach us at uptick.com. That's U-P-P-T-I-C.com. Awesome. Talk soon.